Welcome to Geek and Sassy. Uh, my name is Jennifer Smith. I'm here with the wonderful and beautiful Miranda. How are you, Miranda? It feels so good to say that. Right? right? I was like, wait, she just said welcome to Geek and Sassy. How long okay. has it been since I heard that? I know. I smiled so big when I said it, too. I, I know. I could hear it. Like, <laughs> and, and I know that sounds like super cheesy, but being in like the corporate world, you always hear like smile when you talk because mm-hmm. people can hear it. And they really can. So... Yeah. Well, it's been five months. <laughs> it has been um, an interesting five months for the both of us. Uh, mostly for you. Uh, not as much for me. How did well, the move go? I mean, I know it was a disaster. Oh, my God. It was crazy. It was so crazy. Uh, it got. It kept getting pushed back, of course. And then at, like, the very last minute, like, the day before my flight left, which I think I frantically texted you. Mm-hmm. The day before my flight was supposed to leave, they're like, um, you can't land in the country that your ticket is set for you to land in. Um, it's not allowed. And I was mm-hmm. like, what do you mean it's not allowed? So after a lot of language barriers <laughs> and a lot of frustration, I ended up getting it all figured out. And I did end up landing in Budapest, which was my original like country of origin to land mm-hmm. to immediately transit out of. Because where we live in Slovakia is like three hours from the Budapest airport. Mm-hmm. So, And we actually only live like 30-ish minutes from the border to Hungary itself. Mm-hmm. So that was my supposed-to-be land spot. And what was really weird is my flight was supposed to be completely full going from Munich to Budapest because Munich is one of my stops. And um, they're only I felt really special the whole way over here. And that sounds really cheesy, but I felt super, super special. For one, I got um, my flight from D.C. to um, into Munich, right? It was my first stop, right? I had the whole, like, three-seat row to myself. Just oh, me, wow. Just me and the little tiny dog. Me and Widget had the row to ourselves. And I was like, this is never going to happen, like, if no. it weren't for COVID. That would no. never have happened. And That's then we amazing. Got, wow. I know, right? Like, I laid down. Like, I got no sleep because she was terrified. But, uh, yeah. like, I laid down and I was like, what is this? I don't even know what this is. Uh, and then our flight from Munich to Budapest, it was like one of the smaller planes, but it still holds like a hundred and something people. Mm-hmm. And I was one of five people oh, wow. <laughs> on the flight. And I was the only person that did not have a Hungarian passport. <laughs> <laughs> so it was interesting to say the least, um, but I made it. And then I had to be quarantined for five days and I had to be tested again which at that point was test number five for me. And then two weeks ago, we all had to be tested again because they did mandatory countrywide testing. So I've now been tested for COVID six times. Wow. <laughs> I've never had it. Never even been suspected of having it. But That's to amazing. Internationally, like, yeah. yeah. Wow. Six COVID tests, and they're talking about doing another one because they think like, well, okay, that's great that you were tested, and you have this certificate. And I swear to God, like I'm not even joking. You know the certificates that they used to give the boys when we would take them to those like special um, building days at Lowe's. Oh yeah, where they would just like write their name on it and be like, yeah. "Yay, thanks for coming!" Like it yeah. literally looks like one of those. <laughs> I'm not even joking. I'm not even joking. Well, so as, to, yeah. As far as living there, I mean. Was it worth it? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
things are significantly cheaper. Of course, the fact that I am with with my husband and my son again, that's mm-hmm. big. You know that was big for me. Right. Um, things are cheaper. Things are different. Some things I'm like, what? <laughs> um, it's taking some getting used to. Of course, because I moved somewhere during COVID, I'm not getting to like fully experience like right. what I would, but there are some days that I'm like, oh, yeah, I live in Europe. I can't do that. <laughs> you know, like, and then there are some days I'm like, oh, yeah, I live in Europe. I can do that. Can do that. Right. Yeah. That's cool. That. So, yeah. That's awesome. It's, um, pretty, it's pretty fantastic. So you started another podcast uh, right. since you've been over there. So that's awesome. Think, and yeah. so we can talk about that at the end. But yeah. Um, as far as us in this episode, we have decided um, since we've been consuming a lot of media in the past five months, we should probably right. talk some read streams and downloads. I agree with you. I think it, it, it's pretty adequate. I mean, I feel like everyone in the world, I used to say I'm in America when we were recording, but now I have to feel like I have to say in the world because, you know, all of the feeds that we're a part of have actually gained uh people recording that are not just in the U.S. And then mm-hmm. um, I don't live in the U.S. anymore, but I feel like everyone in, in in the world is kind of consuming more media content than they were before in various forms. And I think a lot of people even taking in more news, more podcasts. I'm not sure. I, I, I've gone back and forth on that one, but even the Slovaks over here, they're like, they're like, yeah, I've been watching so much Netflix or I've been mm-hmm. watching all these movies. So I really feel um, what's really cool is there's like a universal thing that is like bonding us all together. Right. Like COVID really sucks. Like it's the new C word everyone hates. Mm-hmm. Um, so Miranda now has three C words that she doesn't like. <laughs> if you're a good friend of mine and Jenny's, you know what uh, one of them is without question. Oh, I think the other one, everybody's. The other one, no. everybody hates. But... Not everybody, but uh... well, everybody hates cancer. <laughs> Okay, you're right. It's just the, the uh, one that I hate. Everybody's like, not everybody hates that. They just, anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it was really cool about it is like universally looking at things, how everybody had it, like they're consuming um, various forms of, I, I, I hate to use the word media again, but they're, they are entertainment media. Mm-hmm. They're, they're looking to things like this to bring, to bring comfort and bring them close together. And, and like, like I said, even my friends that are Slovak where we have something to discuss that is, uh, you know, similar and, and mm-hmm. the same, and they may have watched it in Slovak and I may have watched it in English, but like mm-hmm. we can still talk about it. And I think that's really cool. Yeah, it is. Um, it's good to have something like that to like, you know, help you to reach out, you know, and meet people and what you're like super friendly and, and get to know people, I feel like pretty easily anyway. So, um, but there's so many choices. So there are, yeah. Sure. Uh, I feel like we have to point people in the right direction of things to watch. Recommend maybe. Yeah. Like recommend. Cause sometimes I feel like a lot of times I watch and listen to things because someone else told me about them. Oh, like yeah. how many times have I picked up a pod- podcast that you were like, Hey, I listened to this today. And I'm like, Hey, what is that? Mm-hmm. And then like, I get addicted. And then, then that podcast recommends me to listen to another podcast or they recommend a book. And so I think, um, I wouldn't say power of persuasion necessarily, but the power of like word of mouth mm-hmm. and, and recommendation from your peers is like honestly the best way to decide if you're going to like something or watch something or listen to something 
what you want to start with? Mm. Let's see. What have you been doing the most? So we have read streams and downloads. Uh, definitely TV. Yeah. TV. Okay. Well, yeah. then let's just start there. I mean, if that's what we've been doing the most of, then I think it should get the most love. All right. Well, I will start with a show that <laughs> I just stumbled on um, on Stars. So, like, oh. I. <laughs> I have stars through Amazon Prime, so it mm-hmm. just was on there. Anyway, it's called P-Valley. And okay. Have you ever heard of this? I have not, so I'm very intrigued already because you've caught me on attention with something I've never heard of. Okay, so P-Valley is set in a strip club in Mississippi. And uh, so it, it is just sort of like a raggedy strip club run by a transgendered uh, lady. I don't know if she's like um, I don't know if she is physically transgendered yet you know what I mean so she um, may have not technically gone through the change but does identify as a transgendered individual yes I do believe that anyway she's an amazing character Um, and the entire cast is just it's the end of one of the main strippers career her name is mercedes uh so she's like the veteran of the pink which is the strip club the pink and so she's like the star of the of the club and has been there for years she makes tons of money she's been saving her money um in order to open up a like a cheerleading gym like a because she leads a group of cheerleaders too um and all of that is an attempt to go legitimate to get custody back of her daughter um who is with family um so she still sees her daughter and um attempts to be with her but she does not have custody of her and that's why she's been you know working at the strip club as long as she has she is tough as nails um she is extremely savvy um she has an ass that does not quit it is fantastic this show set in a strip club you're going to see everything full frontal um i would i would kind of assume so right yes it's on Um, stars as well so that's an indicator there um so mercedes has like a devout christian um bible beater mom uh, and then all of the characters within the pink have their own little offshoots. Uh, the acting is incredible. Um, the scenes with Mercedes and her mom, like there's this whole jail scene. Uh, it's it's fantastic. Like it's mesmerizing. And you, it sounds stupid, right? It's like strippers, right? But like the stories here are like so real like I feel like it tells the story of like real women trying to use what they have in an area that does not have many options for them so they're in Mississippi also it's after a giant flood like a storm so people are not normal like they're in the way a lot right yeah yeah. I think the timeline is like a month or so. So it's like not long after. Things are still in upheaval, but they still have to, you know, they still have bills. They still have families to feed. So it's all about like the the owner of the pink, um, 
her name is Uncle Clifford. <laughs> um, you know, how I, the pink is also um, up on the auction block because they're behind on their payments. Okay. Um, also, there's real estate developers coming in to buy up all this stuff and they're going to build a casino. Um, so lots of elements to it. Um, some very steamy sex scenes. Um, hilarious scenes like the jokes are great the music is amazing like there's a song called fallen and i am obsessed with it go to your spotify and put in fallen p valley and listen to that song i've had it on repeat for like three weeks now um obsessed with the soundtrack and the the way that they film the dancers when they're doing their like sets and their routines Mm -hmm. is so beautiful like like, I I don't know. I don't, I just think that the, the dances and the music that they put together was just very well done. Like, and, it makes it, like, a, does it make it, like, a more of an actual, um, like, stage presentation versus, like, what most people would yeah, think like of, like, oh, you went to the strip club. Like, it's, like, an actual, like performance it, like it's, it's a performance like the the girls are so skilled on the pole like and it's a big part of the thing like especially mercedes like doing her last dance like she's supposed to like have this big like going off party or whatever and um so it's a real like she's a real performer and she's so fucking good at it they do this one routine where there's three of them on the pole and it's just like amazing <laughs> like i just their bodies are so beautiful and they just, they use them so powerfully and it's just, I don't well, know. Pole, pole dancing is like a true art. Like yeah, everybody's always was, like, I could do that. And then no, you really couldn't. No. Like it's like a true form of, and you know, it's being recognized now and there's like competitions and like, um, like legitimate because... con, like, yeah, it's like the muscles you have to yes. use in your body to be good. Now, now I'm not saying that every strip club in the U.S. or in the world is like a good place to be and that these dancers are like top notch. I'm just saying like legitimate places and several of these women that are like legitimately good at this. It it takes every muscle in your body to do like one move. Like, right. Yeah. It's, it's highly the impressive. Str- the strength, you know, the yes. stamina to do all that. And also right. – look fucking flawless while you do it too i mean they are stunning they're so mercedes is so gorgeous my other favorite character uh is Keyshawn, and her stripper name is miss mississippi and uh she's just stunningly beautiful see Um, and i would just look like a a wet spaghetti noodle like trying to tie itself (laughs) around a piece of like also same (laughs) so i'm always like highly like a little envious and kind of like what I like when people can do that because I'm like mm, I would not look like that Mm-mm. and Mm-mm. uh the only other little part I will put on there is one of my most favorite love stories uh that I've seen probably this year is between um Uncle Clifford and the rapper who sings the song that I love so um his name is Lil Murda and uh they have an unlikely romance here and it's it's very sweet like and hot so like if that's your thing watch this it's really good like i really I like to check this out yeah um i think that it said that the second season got re- got greenlit like two weeks after the first one 
Um, but I don't hear anybody talking about this show. I have never heard of this show. Yeah. I get it. It's not, I mean, it's, it's very sexual, but so it won't be for everybody, but like, right. It's still also really good. Hmm. Anyway, what's very interesting. Sounds very interesting. What about you? What else you got? Um, so mine sounds really silly now. (laughs) So for some reason when I got here, I don't know what it was, but Jerry and I have been watching like a lot of Discovery Channel. Mm -hmm. Like a lot. And we've really gotten into the Gold Rush show. And, like, I never cared for this show before because it's been on, like, multiple seasons. I'd have to look up, like, what season number they're in. And we didn't watch it prior to, like, there's a current season right now that's going on. So we just watched, like, all the season of last season and some of the one before. So I was truly not interested in this show at all. And then we started watching it. And it's, like, actually kind kind of, like highly entertaining and like what they go through and the fact that these guys only put all of this work and effort and it's a lot of work like they work like super long hours to get as much gold as they can for three months and they're doing all this like up in the Klondike area so not just people are going to be like oh you mean Alaska no not just Alaska there's like parts of this that are in Canada and you know Washington State but it's all like all of that Klondike area up there mm-hmm. and it's, I don't, I did not know so much work went into finding gold and like the payout that you could, I don't know. It's, it's really entertaining to me. Like, I don't know why, but I'm totally drawn into this. And the one guy he's been doing this, he actually started um, his own like gold mine or started renting land and doing his own prospering business by himself when he was 17. Oh, wow. And he's now 23, 24, and he's still going strong, and he's, like, pumping it out, and it's just entertaining, especially when you go back several seasons, and you're basically watching this young man grow up. Hmm. Um, And then he's a veteran now. He's considered a veteran in this field because he started at 17, and he's worth, like, millions. Like, it's so crazy. Does it focus mainly on, like, the mining aspect or, like, what they do with the gold once they discover it? Um, so basically what they do, it's the mining aspect. So they mm-hmm. go in, it talks about the plot of land, the water rights, how oh. they do it, um, how they sluice it, what time of sluicing machine that they use, how big their crew is, um, the different complications that they have on their crew, um, and even the disagreements that they get in with each other. Mm-hmm. And um, it it basically breaks down how they do it and like how they get the gold and what kind like when they find a really big piece versus a really small piece and what it means, how many ounces they need to get to have, have a good season. Um, and then now once they get it, they sell it. That's their whole thing. They just mm-hmm. sell it. It goes in and it's done. Like after that, I don't think they really care what happens to the gold or what kind of um, like, does it make jewelry? I don't know. They don't, I don't think they really care. Where do they sell it at? You know, I don't really know. I think, like, I've actually asked that a couple of times. I'm sure there's, like, a private... Like like a refinery? Yeah, I'm sure, yeah. Yeah. 
because when they get it, it comes in and it's like dirty and gross. It's from the ground. It has to be cleaned and processed and all that. And they do. And then they weigh it. And based on the weight, like I forget what the gold prices are, but it's very possible. I'm like the one kid was going for a thousand ounces and we hear ounces and we think, well, that's really not a lot, but a thousand ounces was like several and I'm not talking, I'm talking like hundreds of thousands of dollars mm-hmm. is what it gave him for the year. Now you have to stop and think, okay, well, if it cost him a hundred thousand dollars to run his op- operation, mm-hmm. and then if he had to pay his crew, say another 300 goes to that. So, I mean, you have to like break down the expenses, but it's really impressive. Like I just never saw, I mean, I knew gold was expensive. Obviously I'm a female, I get jewelry as gifts. I love jewelry. Like I'm not going to lie, prefer white gold, but you know, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I, I've never seen, thought about the back end of it, of like, where does it really come from? How much work does it, I mean, you know, we, in school, we grew up, you know, we were taught about gold mining and panning and things like that. Maybe not so much where we grew up, but it was still a part of our education. Mm-hmm. You know, if you grew up probably in that area of the U.S. and into Canada, you probably taught way more than, than we were per se. Right, but, right. I don't know. It's just not ever something I thought about on the, on the back end. And it's just kind of very like, Oh, it was like the one day the guy lost his water license. Um, so apparently you have a water license that's only good for so long, um, which allows you to funnel water from one place to another to allow the sluicing machines and just different aspects of your machinery to work. And I was like, wait, what do you mean a water license? Because you're a lot of times you rent the land or the water comes from another person's land. And, it's just things like that I never thought about when you think about gold production or where it came from or gold mining. Yeah, like who who has the rights to be where and, you know, who right. owns what when you find gold, you know. Right, exactly. Yeah, like, it is. Yeah, it is super interesting. Uh, I think I looked it up quick and it said something like $1,800 an ounce for gold. No. Yeah, and it fluctuates. Mm-hmm. So, like, the season that is currently airing, what's really cool about it, is it's actually a season of them going through trying to gold mine during COVID. Um, and, they're, and they're running into a lot of issues, or they ran into a lot of issues because clearly the season is over. Mm-hmm. But they ran into a lot of issues because, like I said, you um, to get to Alaska, the majority of time, especially traveling by land, you have to go through Canada. Mm-hmm. And you know, the borders were closed to everywhere. Mm-hmm. So they were running into a lot of issues with being able, and these guys don't all live like in the Yukon. There's one that lives in Kentucky. There's one that lives in Tennessee. And um, they went through like the life with them, like trying to get up to there, trying to see if they can even make it. Um, And then they have people that on their crew that do live in the area. And they're like, hey, could you drive and check our, because it also could be frozen. Because, mm-hmm. you know, true. their winter is a lot longer. It's a lot harsher. So, like, the ground could be frozen. And, like, if the ground freezes up on you, you can't actually get down to what they call the pay, which mm-hmm. is the dirt that you would sluice and, and see if there was um, the gold or how much gold mm-hmm. was in it. So, like, it's very interesting to see, like, they're sitting at home and a lot of these um, shows on Discovery, this one and, and several others, they're doing recordings from their phone and showing you, like, how it works for them. And I, I think that's really cool too. In a time like this, where you can see like everyone is having to handle it a different mm-hmm. way. Everyone's having to figure it out. So it's just really interesting. I don't know. There's sometimes it's, it's a drama, you know, it's mm-hmm. a not scripted, obviously it's a reality drama. Right. And of course they're going to want to show things that would make the show more interesting. I, I've read a few articles and the one guy that I was telling you about the really young guy, um, 
one of his very serious relationships didn't last because Discovery was just so determined to catch these two, like, alone kissing or prove. Even though they had said they were kind of a couple, they wanted to prove it and they wanted to get it on camera. And it actually ruined their relationship because Discovery was so intent on, like, every time they were by themselves, they would fly, fly drones over them to, what? like, get that shot. Yeah, which... You know, I understand he has a contract and they probably pay a lot of money for him to be part of the show. But I thought that was, like, really intrusive. Uh You know, it's just very intrusive and I can't imagine. So it just shows you, like, they are real people. And, like, yeah, you see some very dramatic things on this show. But that doesn't always mean that they – it was, like, the producers didn't tell them to do it. They, a lot of times, are like, no, like, just leave us alone. Uh So – It's kind of interesting to see, like, hey, it's a reality show, but these people really don't want to show you everything. Right, right. Well, it should be about the gold, but yeah, I mean, they got to find some sort of sex appeal, I guess. Uh, Yeah, Uh, well, and I'm sure there are people that watch this show that are even younger. Maybe they caught it with their parents or, you know, like Caden actually likes watching it with us. Now, he doesn't care so much about, like, who Parker's girlfriend is or what girl is on there, but um, I'm sure other people are and you know i mean don't get me wrong like wait you're gonna give me a romance too what but yeah so i mean it's kind of it was kind of interesting seeing that like even up and up channels like discovery or try to push things on people sometimes i was like oh okay all right well that sounds cool um this next show i became like really pulled into Mm -hmm. uh at first was very sort of lukewarm on it. Um, but then the older the character got, the better I feel like the story got. So it's called The Queen's Gambit. Um, it is on Netflix. It is about a child prodigy chess star. Um, so she, Beth Harmon is the character's name, played by Anya Taylor-Joy. I was trying to think what else I had seen her in, but it was, um, I think it was in The Witch and in Glass and Split. So she was in those. Um, She plays Beth. She, it's, I don't want to say how she ends up there because they, they do these flashbacks. Mm -hmm. Um, Throughout the series, it's only seven episodes, so they did these flashbacks that tell you how she got there. Um, but okay. she's an she's an orphan, and she goes to uh, like a orphanage where there's like a mother or whatever, and then there's you know girls that live there, and um, they get educated there and all that stuff. And so kind of like a boarding house orphanage, sort of, yeah, kind of all kind of. Kids get adopted from there occasionally or whatever. So it's it's fairly grim, but not, like, abusive. Um, and it's in, set in the 50s, too. And so she picks up chess with the janitor. Um, she goes down to... She's a very quiet, watchful child. She doesn't say much. Um, she very much strikes me as leaning towards some sort of um area on the spectrum meaning she's very inept socially and that may be from her upbringing not necessarily but i saw a lot of qualities in her that i've seen in my son before so um 
but she's just super brilliant at chess. Um, but she discovers while she's at the orphanage that the thing that makes her, uh, it's sort of, I don't say makes her brilliant at chess because she is, but it enhances her because they drug them basically at the orphanage. Oh. So, they, so they give them, you know, whatever, um, probably some so, sort of sedative or. Right. Uh, so it's not an abusive situation as far as physically or mentally, right. but there are some gray areas with what they gave them to make them calm and probably more. Sedating. Um, yeah, sedate them or get them to follow direction better or right. things like that. Um, make them docile, really, to yeah. to be uh, probably adopted. So, um, so she discovers that this makes her chest like next level. So she lays in her bed and she looks up at the ceiling, and that she plays three D chess like it does. You know, it looks like a chessboard up on the ceiling, and she plays in her head. Um, so she'll take the pills in the morning. Um, and pretend to take them not really take them and then she'll save a bunch up and then she'll take them and then play chess on the ceiling so she early on um really gets into this drug addiction um but it it fuels her chess right so the janitor who teaches her to play um is like you know you're incredible at this so he starts you know hook like bringing in people um, that are important that can get her like in the chess world. Um, and she eventually becomes adopted. Um, I think she was at the orphanage for like eight years or something like that before mm-hmm. she gets adopted. So in this time she's taking pills and playing chess with the janitor. Um, and, and she figures out this pill thing pretty young, correct? Yes. yes oh, wow. Young. Wow. Um, so when she becomes adopted, um, the mother is just desperately lonely. Um, she can't have children. The father is a traveling salesman who uh, leaves her very quickly after she adopts um, Beth. And she has her own addiction problems. Um, and she's just basically been abandoned by her husband. Um, so Beth, I don't want to say the whole story, but the first part is a little bit slow. So once you get to her teenage years, like when she gets adopted, I feel like it gets better at that point, but she learns more addictive behavior from the mother. Um, the mother supplies her with, you know, he's like, they're on a plane and she's the mother's drinking a martini and the girl looks at it and the mom's like, here you go, you know, hands it to her, lets her drink it. So they start going on all these chess tournaments and she's just winning all this money. She just becomes super famous. So but it's they- kind of like uh, the weird little pageant moms that are like, here, have a pixie stick in a Mountain Dew. It's not. It's more like they're bonded together. Um, it's, oh, okay. it's a very affectionate thing with them, but the mother, I think, just quietly understands how sort of damaged Beth is from her past and from her drug use, and then they discover this chess thing, and they make all this money, they travel the world, um, and the mother becomes very enamored of that, and um, the addiction problems continue. Um, but they are very close, sort of codependent, really. Um, it's not, yeah, I could, I could see that. But the mom, I mean, I, 
like she was very endearing to me uh <laughs> even with all that fucked up shit uh and maybe pr- probably because of the fucked up shit um i felt um some relatability with the mother um in this in this show but then um some of the things that visually they do okay the fashion is amazing cuz it goes from like mid 50s to late 60s um mm-hmm. And she has, as she makes money winning chess tournaments, she has an eye for, um, and like a flair for fashion. And she wears the most incredible clothes. They're amazing. And then this actress has a very striking face. Like she... She does. Her, a lot of her acting is just in her face. Like, she is so mesmerizing on the tv like uh, initially she was off-putting to me like just physically but the more she grew up i I, used to also two different actresses for young beth and older beth but older beth i thought was just stunning and she has this red hair and it's very um perfectly quaffed you know when and she has like porcelain skin and these ginormous eyes Mm -hmm. they're a little bit they're set a little bit too far apart but (laughs) she does period um acting very well like in my opinion because she's uh she was on Peaky Blinders as well Mm -hmm. and she does she just has this like very like you said um expressive face yeah she's very expressive and but she's also very dainty at the same time she's very like um she's very yeah, like, I don't know. I, so I know what you're saying. I haven't watched this show yet. I really, really want to. But, like, as far as you talking about her as an actress and how she can express and, and like, really pull off this period um, person, character she's trying to portray, I've seen her do it before, and she's excellent at it. Uh, I, w- I was really amazed by her in this. And I the story is is pretty great. Like, just the mixture of, like addiction um and then her sad backstory um mental health issues and just the whole world of chess and her being uh the best chess player male or female um and then something that I was continued to be amazed by and I'll wrap it up but um I was continually amazed by how they filmed chess games to make them seem exciting because yeah my son plays chess so trust me i'm mm, trying to make it seem exciting to people watching is so i know that it sounds like i'm not going to watch a show about a girl playing chess but the way that they manage to film those and Mm -hmm. the music that they use and her eyes basically it's just you know she she just emotes so well from her eyes and um I actually really loved the chess playing scenes. I thought they were super well done. And there's a bunch of them. And they still managed to make them sort of different. And give them each their own sort of vibe. uh, Depending on where she is in her chess career. Because she goes very far. Um, I I just, I loved it. I really did love this show. Like, I really want to rewatch it. Mainly for the fashion. Because it was amazing. Beautiful show. Like, it reminded me of Mrs. Maisel. As far as... Okay. Um, the set design and and the look of the show. Okay, that makes sense. Like, 
So good. And how much he loved that one. So like yes. it makes sense that you would be drawn to um, something similar, similarly, uh, you know, in, in the visuals. All right. What's up next for you? So I'm going to stay over on Discovery Channel <laughs> for a little it. bit. Um, and I'm going to go to a show called Expedition Un- or yeah, Expedition Unknown. It is hosted by Josh Gates, who is a, um, he holds a degree in archaeology and drama. And he travels all over the world, basically like proving and disproving and don't know i wouldn't necessarily say disproving because he's here for it um so obviously as an art being an archaeologist he looks at like unknown things out in the world and missing artifacts throughout time so they do talk about things like the loch ness monster they talk about aliens they talk about just in general like oh these are the things that the ancient mayans would have done this is the like this is the something that could have taken place in mesopotamia but they're also discussing like the chupacabra and it's really entertaining and i remember I don't know if the show was by the same name, but Sci-Fi used to have a show that he actually was the host of, and it may have been by the same name. And I remember not entirely enjoying it because I think the way that Sci-Fi, and I loved Sci-Fi Channel, you know that mm-hmm. I've always loved Sci-Fi, but the way that they came out or put it out, produced it, um, it kind of made me seem like it was a joke, like it was funny, like this guy was doing this, not believing in anything. And it turns out, like, he actually does believe in a lot of this stuff. And even when he doesn't believe, he still finds it super, um, like, entertaining. Like, there's got to be an explanation. Like, that that's part of being an archaeologist, I'm sure. Um, and right. an adventurer is, like, wanting to know the truth about things. And it is, I don't know. I have, I like the version that Discovery Channel does so much better. Um, it does have, it does tweak, uh it kind of pretends that old discoveries are being revealed for the first time, which how else do you get that uh, shock and wow factor from a show? If you're not like, you know, you cut to cut to commercial and like, wow, they come back and it's something that like, if you're into things like this, like you and I are, then maybe you already knew that. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you're not, then you possibly didn't know that. Uh, Like the Loch Ness monster one, they cut to commercial and I thought they were going to introduce something super, super cool afterwards. And it was basically just information that I had already found um, doing like research on my own, reading books on my own, listening to like, what the fuck is in this book? um, Things like that. Like it was stuff I already knew, Mm -hmm. but Caden had not heard it and was like, oh, that's really cool. So I could see, like, I was reading some reviews from other, like, watchers, and they were like, well, it has some, like, where it pretends this is, like, super big, and that kind of turns me off, and it's really weak. Um, I guess I could see that, but there were there were also a lot of episodes where, like, I didn't know this information, and this is really cool, and just um, different things like that. It looks like it's been running since 2015, so there's a ginormous back catalog for anyone that would, like, want to check it out if you're worried about the the reviews. It actually is an 8.3 out of 10 on IMDb, which, you know, we usually take those with a grain of salt here at Geek and Sassy because how many times have you and I looked at the review for something on IMDb or Rotten Tomatoes, and they either said it was amazing and we hated it, or uh-huh. we loved it, and they're like, this is crap. <laughs> um, so, I don't know. I just find it really entertaining. I think Josh Gates is, um, he is like, 
a person's person, if that makes sense. He's just Mm -hmm. um, a guy from Massachusetts that decided to become an archaeologist. And I think he's just like kind of charismatic. Like he Mm -hmm. is, he has this humor. Um, So he's really good with like telling a story, but being really funny at the same time. And I've really enjoyed like every episode that I've watched so far. Um, There was an Ark of the Covenant one that I really, really liked. Oh, cool. Yeah, so that one's really good. There's even, um, there was one about Hitler. It was supposed to be um, in an Argentinian hideaway house. And yeah. so there's there's a lot of different things. They um, He even gets to talk to, and go into some places that, like, normally a person would not be allowed. Um, there was one where he goes into this monastery where typically um, cameras and such are not allowed. But because he's so um, respectful of the history and he's very caring and truly wants to know the information that the person he's talking to has to give, he's been uh-huh. let into places and allowed to film some of these things where I honestly don't think without him Discovery Channel would have gotten. They would have probably tried to get, but he does. He does have, He has that charisma and that know-how to, like, talk to people and have a conversation with people and he's truly engaging so Uh um even the things that like where he's cracking jokes i think it's very entertaining very educational um and of course i think there's some of these that you have to take with a grain of salt or follow with independent research later Uh and kind of decide on your own when i mean especially when you're talking about the ones like Loch Ness monster and chupacabra those are things where you have to decide for yourself you have to make that decision on your own and it's not a right or wrong one so I think if you go into some of these episodes, like thinking with that mindset um, or not the skeptical mindset, but the like, this could be real, this could be not and go from there. Uh-huh. It's got a lot of stuff in it and it allows you to see parts of the world and, and different variations of how people lived in ancient times that I don't know, it, it's done in a way that doesn't make you feel like you're falling asleep in middle school history class, you know? <laughs> Like, I don't know. I really enjoy this. I think he's really funny. I think he has a lot to share with the world. And you would think, doing this since 2015, that's a lot of episodes. I think it's 203. Mm-hmm. But I'm definitely prepared to watch more. Like, it's great. That's that's cool. What's it called again? It's called Expedition Unknown. And he actually just came out with, so he does this on his own. Like, he has a crew that goes with him. Um, but he, there's a new show that's coming out that I think it's only like on its second season, um, or maybe it's first. It's called X. Oh, it's on its first season. It's just that they broke it into two halves, called Expedition X. Um, I haven't watched it yet, but it's where they're going to discuss like a lot of the same things. But he has, um, he's developed like a little crew, like he has two other people, and they'll be discussing it like as a kind of like if you and I went out and decided we are going to go out and research and develop and discuss and go look at these places. So he does it with two other people that are also very knowledgeable in the field, also have similar degrees into what he does and similar thought processes. And they're going to go look at different things. Um, Some of the different titles are, they're going to look at the Bermuda Triangle, um, Mysteries Beneath Our Feet, Diving Deeper, Looking Higher. So I'm really interested because it's the same host to continue forward and do that one. So, uh-huh. yeah. So they, like, yeah, I totally recommend it. And if you, like, there's a UFO episode. I know you like Ooh, UFOs. Well, yes, yeah. I do. Do that. So, yeah. yeah, there's only seven episodes so far in Expedition X. I haven't tried that, but the same gentleman that does the one that I'm talking about now, Expedition Unknown, it's on Discovery. Like I said, huge, huge back catalog. 
Um, and I think he has a part to play in the show called Ghost Nation as well. So I recommend if you really like him, kind of checking out his other works. Obviously, they are going to be documentary style television shows. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. All right. Cool. So the next one I wanted to mention is a movie okay. that I can't remember if you saw when it came out. I know I wanted to, but I never did. It is on Amazon Prime. No, actually, I had to get, um, I think I did HBO to watch this one through okay. Amazon Prime. But it's uh, The Invisible Man. Um, it came out earlier in the year. I did not watch this one, no. That is the one with uh, Elizabeth Moss. Uh-huh. Um, so, this one is really good like this is a fantastic like tense suspense filled emotionally draining uh gory movie um so well done um an abused woman is married to like a tech mogul like a genius guy they live in this amazing house um, on this compound, like in the middle, you know, on a cliff by the beach. So she married Elon Musk, basically. Um, so oh, the very—I won't do any spoilers, but the very beginning is her running away from him, and um, she escapes him, runs to her friends, um, and then very shortly after she discovers that he has committed suicide and left her, you know, millions of dollars and all this stuff. So she's like, you know, she's been abused for all these years. He's cut her off from, you know, all of her friends and family for the most part. Um, He's obsessive about um, who she sees, where she goes, what she does, what she eats. Like, you know, just a complete uh controlling husband and and very abusive in a lot of different ways relationship very she's she's very damaged um but she's extremely intelligent um and weird things start happening to her uh as soon as she's like finally decided like okay he's he's gone i have this money now um and I can start to heal and move on with my friends here. And then weird things start happening to her. And uh, I will leave it at that. But there is a lot of blood. It is very violent. Uh, very triggering. But an amazingly well done movie. Like, And a completely satisfying ending. So I cannot recommend this movie enough. Elizabeth Moss is incredible. <laughs> incredible uh if you're not a moss fan where the fuck have you been <laughs> she is i saw this preview, and the minute i saw this preview thought this is a jenny movie oh my god it's so good it's a jenny movie yeah so my last one is also a movie um it's a netflix original that came out this year in july i think you've watched it i'm Pretty sure maybe you haven't. It's uh, the old guard with Shirley or Shirley's Theron. So I fell asleep during it. You fell asleep during it. Okay, that's okay. It's okay. Um, 
I'm not a big Shirley Theron fan. Like, normally, she's hit or miss for me. I she's like one of her. those, like, sometimes I really love her, and sometimes I'm like, eh, eh, you know? In this, I thought she was fantastic, and she fit uh, the character very well. So, essentially, if you have not seen it, without spoiling anything, because it is such a new movie, I'm going to be like Jenny and try really hard not to spoil anything. Um, it is a covert team of immortal mercenaries, and they are suddenly kind of exposed, basically. Um, there's this guy that has decided, like, he's he wants to expose them um, because he thinks he's doing good, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now they have to fight to keep their identity secret. Um, and in turn, a new member is discovered, which has not happened in years and years and years. It is actually a comic book turn TV written by Greg Rucka. Um, oh, therefore he's I didn't a, know yeah, that. it's a graphic novel series. Oh, I did know that. I totally, I've read that. What the shit? I never connected that in my brain. <laughs> I had no idea that's what that was. Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, it's by the same name from Greg Rucka. And since you've watched the movie, uh, this won't spoil anything, but he has said that they ended it the way they did. If you watched all the way through um, where it could, it is, I will say for everyone out there, it's opened where you could do a second. Um, but it's also where it's pretty could be pretty cleanly closed and you could continue mm-hmm. forth in the comics. If you have not seen this movie and you have read the comic, the graphic novel, whatever you want to say, uh, and you get in there and you're like, this is different. It is because Greg Rucka also felt, because he's a screenwriter for the movie as well, that there were some changes that needed to be made because it on screen played out better and worked out better and made more sense to mm-hmm. the story, especially when you're talking about um, it possibly not getting a second movie mm-hmm. and it only being the one, then that being it. Gotcha. So um, I felt like it was really well done. The action scenes are phenomenal, um, especially when you're talking about immortals, because uh, I've watched a lot of movies with immortals where you're like, really? Like, uh. like you get tired of watching them fight because you're like, they're fucking immortal. Yeah. And I was really impressed with how they decided to carry this one forth. Again, really bloody, really gory, because just because they're immortal doesn't mean they're fighting immortals. <laughs> so there's some times where you're like, Ugh. like there was a couple, I there was a, a scene at the, towards the end that I actually, like, covered my face. Because mm-hmm. certain kinds of mangled body I can't handle. Like, I'm okay, but, like, I just have certain, like, hard nose. Mm-hmm. It wasn't my hard nose. You know me. You know, I don't like when they pull out people's teeth or cut off, like, ears. I don't yeah. know why. I don't. Yeah. They didn't do that. They didn't do that. But it was, like, a just a mangled in a way that I was, like, ooh. <laughs> Oh, you totally just triggered a memory for something I wanted to tell you about. Oh, okay. <laughs> Keep going. Cool. Keep going. Cool. Um, but I, what I also really, really love about it is other than Charlize Theron, the cast is not hugely known other than um, I knew who one of the other uh, gentlemen was. He's actually Jafar from the new Aladdin movie. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 And he is an excellent um there is kind of like a little love story going on as well. Two of the members of the Immortal crew. So there were four. Now there are five. Two of them are actually a couple. That's not who you think it would be. Uh-huh. I don't know if you remember that part at all. But it's not I who don't. you think it would be. Um, 
And you have to remember, and what's really cool is they can like, they have conversations because they've been around together for thousands and thousands of years. Uh Another really cool, um, one of the bad guys, which doesn't give anything away, you know, he's bad. Like as soon as you meet him is actually um, Harry Melling who plays Dudley Dursley. Oh yeah. Dudley's Queen. Queen's Band or Queen's Gambit as well. He has actually been in a lot of things because um, someone told me he was in Queen's Gambit, but then Jerry and I had just watched something a few days before we watched Old Guard, which he had already watched Old Guard and he was just watching it again because I hadn't seen it. Um, And we were sitting there and I was like, yeah, that's, I know that person. I know that person. And now I don't remember what we were watching, but I was like, I know that person. And like, I couldn't figure it out, couldn't figure it out. And it turns out it was also... Henry Melling. So yeah. he's apparently doing pretty well for himself um, here in this last few years. Apparently he's also in a couple episodes of his Dark Materials, which I have not watched yet, but heard great things about. Oh, yeah. Um, is that... Um, what's his face? Helen Manuel Miranda? Yes. Yes, it's actually based off a book series as well. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that one's based off a book series. Um yeah, so I don't know. I just thought that was really cool. That was really the only people I knew. Um, mm-hmm. But it's, I don't know. I thought it was really well done. I did have moments where I was like, man, this is a little long. Um, I think that a lot about a lot of movies now, but I think it's because most movies are over two hours now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, so, yeah. But it's interesting. It is different. Like I said, it's different than the the graphic novel if you wanted to continue the story because they've not said yes or no like if there's going to be a second movie which mm-hmm. i guess since it came out in july it would be too soon to say oh we're going to do a second movie it's not the same as doing a television series it takes a little bit more to decide if you're going to do a movie mm-hmm. so i would be really pleased if they decided to move it forward because like i said they did leave some things open but if they didn't, I feel like I could continue it on in the comic and, and probably be satisfied. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'm going to have to revisit that one um, now that I definitely know for sure that I've at least read one of those. And I did remember liking that comic book, but it just, I never, I don't remember going I think there's parts of this movie that are a little slow. Because like I said, I don't know if it's because it's just so long, but I there were some parts where I'm like, I was like, Ugh. and now I, we did keep having to pause it because Jerry had some work stuff going on and keep having to take phone calls. Um, and even though he'd seen it already, it was more me pausing it so he didn't have like all this noise going on in the background of his work call. Uh-huh. But yeah, I think if I had sat and watched it the whole two and a half hours through, I might have also done like you and been like, Ugh. but <laughs> good movie. And since you can do things like pause now and mm-hmm. and and such, I, I didn't have a problem with it at all. All right, the last one I will mention real quick was this just came from out of nowhere. I had never heard of this show. Um, Is and- this the one I just reminded you of? Yes, you did, because you said torture scene, and I was like, oh, shit, I need to tell her about this torture scene. Oh, <laughs> so, uh, I don't know if you've heard about it. It's on Amazon Prime. It's called Utopia. I have. I just haven't watched it yet. Um, so, it's like a weird mixture of, like, a conspiracy movie, like... Um, diseases being uh, released... 
okay. to people in uh, in order to control them. Um, a lot of science fiction-y, like medical shit. Um, but it is paired with a cult, uh, like underground comic book called Utopia. And um, so they're, they, these friends, this group of friends meet online um, bonding over this comic book. And then they are sort of pulled into this world where they believe that the comic book is um, sending hidden messages about the fate of the world. And okay. that the comic book character, the main character, um, is the whole backstory of the comic book they believe is reality. So interesting yeah they end up meeting one of the the main character from the comic book in real life and then they're chased by the uh I'm trying to think of a way to say it the conspirators uh okay. for, the, for the biological weapons um they're being chased by them so there's one real fucked up scene where they capture one of their friends and do they do something to his ears or his eyes or his teeth? Yes. Ah! Those things. And it was like brutal. I can't, I like at the end of it, I was like, that is the most intense torture scene that I've ever seen because the guy that is doing it looks like just regular Joe Blow, like guy at the coffee shop or something, just like the most nondescript human. And he is just methodically and emotionlessly just like torturing this guy. He I asked like him watching the show You, it's because he looks just like any old person that it's really, well, made, that's what makes it more disturbing, basically. Yes, what you're saying. yes, and that's part of it. And really oh. just the brutality. And like, I've never seen torture the way that he has done it before because he only used, <laughs> he sat, I'm trying to think, he sat a, a salt shaker, a jug of bleach, and a spoon on the table. And then he <laughs> used those things in order. And I'll just leave it at that. And it was, uh, it was so gross. If it involves eyes, ears, yes, or teeth, I'm probably gonna flip the shit out. But, I mean, there's other um, intense violence. This show is overly violent. I really um, wanted to watch this show, too. But now I'm like, oh my god, there's torture that I can't handle. But the whole, like, mythology of it, like, the comic book tie and all that stuff, like, right. makes it really cool, too. And Okay, I'll still probably give it a try, because, you know, even the things scare the shit out of me, or make me want to, like, die of pain, yes. I, I still watch it. I don't, I don't know why. God, it was I don't know why. I, I think a lot of the violence turned, because I saw some reviews where it was just like, I like this story here, but like, why are they doing these things? But I'm like, I don't know. I think that makes it more awesome. So that's just me. I think sometimes there's a certain amount of violence that if you're not, uh, and and again, like, especially when you turn something from a book to a movie or to a show or from a comic book to a movie or show and people are like, why is this happening? This seems like excessive. And it's like, it's actually part of the story. It's like yeah. part of uh, the 
the feeling that they're trying to get across and and the all a bunch of different things they're trying to convey. So mm-hmm. sometimes, I mean, and we've talked about it before, especially um, shows that do sex for the sake of just having sex appeal. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're doing that, then like, ugh, come on. But like, if you have, for example, you said there were amazing sex scenes and um, like great, like pole dancing, like mm-hmm. from a sport point of view, from the other shows you were talking about. I think when you insert things like that into a show where they make sense and they're to carry out convey something do something like that then it's very like i don't i'm like good on you keep going you know mm-hmm. um and and you know it's just taste really um just, oh, I I, i'm just violent i like violent stuff so um listen if you're gonna have people like off topic but not but if you're gonna have people complain in a hallmark group yes i'm in a hallmark <laughs> group complain about the things that happen in their Hallmark movie, oh. then that has solidified to me that there is nothing that you could ever do to make anyone happy. Because for <laughs> God's sake, it's Hallmark. That yeah, that trips when me out. When you're Hallmark and you're still ticking people off, mm. you're I'm over it. Okay, mm. no, I'll not survive. <laughs> um, did you have more TV, or did you want to move on to books? Um. I could I could move on. I could stay here, but I could move on. But you know, I think we I have, have like nothing for reads. I have like one thing for reads. So I have three. So maybe I will condense it since you have nothing. And it's it's it's, <laughs> it's really the same book I've been reading anyway. So um, that's okay. Have you talked about it before? I can't remember. Probably not. Which one? It's been five months. It has been five months. It, okay. Now you know what. That is not to shame anyone that has been reading the same book for five months because some people have picked up and read like 11 billion books. I know that is not an accurate number. Don't come at me. Um, but then other people have been like, and me, this is actually, I'm, I'm talking about me now. Other people have been like, yeah, I'm going to get so much reading done. And then they're like, I can't even concentrate to read because all I yeah. keep thinking about is everything that I'm having to deal with and is going on. <laughs> so, so I, if you have not read any during this, whatever it is, that is okay. That is totally what have you okay. been reading? I actually did not start reading anything until I got over here. Okay. So I finished all three of these books within the last uh, two weeks. But that's okay. Uh, I'm back on a very specific reading kick, which, you know, I have a tendency to do every now and then. Mm-hmm. Um one book, and I honestly truly don't know if I've mentioned it before. I started it back some time ago. I dove like super deep into it, almost completely finished it for some reason. I think because this, I found this book like right before COVID, uh, started reading it pretty hardcore, got pretty hard, a good bit through it. And then, you know, as soon as I got back from Slovakia in February, I started like hardcore packing and stuff. Mm-hmm. So didn't really think about reading. It's actually a YA book, um, but it's called The Babysitter's Coven by Kate Williams. Mm-hmm. Uh, it actually came out sometime last, last year, and I found out about it through an email I get through one of this uh, one of the publishing companies. I don't remember which one. I'd have to look and see which one put it out. But I got an email from the publishing company putting it out saying, if you liked this, you'll like this. And so I kind of like read the synopsis, thought it was really cool, um, and decided to actually for once, instead of using um, Audible credits or, you know, Kindle Unlimited, which I use 
a lot. Mm-hmm. I like outright just bought the Kindle edition of this book. Um, it's called Babysitter's Coven by Kate Williams. And it's kind of the what caught my attention is um, the like brief synopsis that someone wrote for it, which whoever wrote this is like phenomenal at writing book synopsis. And if I ever decide to write a book, I need, I need them Um, because it's described as adventures in babysitting meets Buffy, the vampire slayer in this funny action packed novel about a coven of witchy babysitters who realize that their calling is to protect the innocent and save the world from an onslaught of evil. Oh, that sounds fun. Yeah, it is. And it has some moments where it kind of drags a little and there's some predictable things. But um, overall, I really enjoyed it. It's about a 17-year-old girl named Esme who has a babysitter's club because basically that's um, when we, when you're in high school, it's really one of the only ways to make decent money. And she knows it's kind of kind of lame and eh, but she's like, well, what else am I supposed to do? I guess I could get a job, but ugh, gross because her idea is like, I don't want to work it. I don't want to flip burgers. I don't want to uh-huh. do anything like that. Like... And she's actually really good at it. She is. She has an ability to just like connect with these kids and just different things like that. Um, and she really wants to just like build up her cash flow. She comes from a middle class but pretty decent family where her dad seems pretty like apt to be like, okay, you you've done really well at school. You you do really well around the house. Here you go. Here's some money. Um, uh-huh. But she's a little also like. Um, accident prone which I think is what really drew me to her because one of the things on the back of the book it's like she's trying to uh, get her cash flow together because let's just say she's a little destructive and she may owe some people a new tree (laughs) Mm. Um, (laughs) I I can relate I'm very destructive so um so she's 17 she's a little klutzy little clumsy she doesn't uh like driving school doesn't go well for her um her dad is raising her kind of as a single mother or a single father her mother is in an, an institution it's very vague of why she's there and how long she's been there and that comes into obvious play later um but it has it, that has a lot to do with the book but there's there's monsters so there's like a lot of like very unrealistic stuff going on um and enter the new girl she's basically instagram model hot she dresses like she found her clothes in a dumpster she's super rebellious like she is also willing to do whatever it takes even take on a potty training two-year-old to join this babysitting club and it basically they have a connection that goes deeper than they could ever have realized their moms knew each other and um Things kind of ensue after that, and they end up having to kind of save the world. There's magic rituals. Um, They kind of have their own Giles, and he, at one point, like, kind of trigger warning to get him out of the way. He gets accused of um, being a sexual predator. So, like, not to spoil anything, but anybody that that might bother them. It, he he isn't, and he never actually did anything at all, and they never say what he did. They just kind of accuse him and say he's going to jail. Um, but he's really quirky and really fun, and he's pretending to, like, the, his way of being around them so he can protect them is he is, the difference in Giles was the librarian, right? He is the football coach. Oh, and he's actually concerned, truly concerned about the football team winning too. 
but his real passion is interior design. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> so he's an excellent character. And at first I thought they were going to make him a character that kind of takes over. Um, and he doesn't. And I think that's what makes it even better. And it's uh, about 360, 370 pages long. It came out in 2019 of last year, September of last year. Uh, so quick read, pretty easy read, really fun. Um, and book two is actually supposed to come out in December. And I loved it enough that I will continue it. So I'm really excited about that one. It's really, I don't know, it's just different. It's very different. Like, but when you say Ventures in Babysitting meets Buffy the Vampire Slayer, I'm like, wait, what? That's a cool idea. It was, I like it, it was. I don't, I don't know how um, Kate Williams came up with this, but I think it's uh, pretty phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I like so. it. Um, my one book, real quick. Uh, let me uh give you one guess who the author is. Um, what's his name? Stephen something. He's not very big or anything, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. yeah. Yep, little yeah. guy called little guy. He doesn't do much. He's what independent, right? Yeah, right? You may, I'm you may have heard of him. I may have heard of him. So, what did he? Is it a new book of his or an old one that you fell in love with? That is a good question. I don't know. Oh, sorry, oh. I accidentally turned it on. Um, it's called okay. Insomnia. Uh, I've been listening to it on Audible. Um, I would say about halfway through it by now. Um, this, uh, oh, I freaking did it again, sorry. This um, old man loses his wife, and okay. um, then he starts having insomnia, and... Slowly, he gets less and less sleep every night. Um, you know, it starts affecting him quite a bit, and then he starts seeing like these auras, like around people, around things and places, oh. just like different colors um, for different vibes. And um, he becomes fascinated with. He he thinks that maybe the insomnia has like gifted him this thing like this ability to to be able to see these things and um so it's basically just him and that happening to him and uh he's in this little town in maine or whatever and so it's very very stephen king in that way as far as the setting um he he has a very um kind of distinct setting for sure oh yeah and so it's very like I I've not it's not an intense book like it's a very um sort of gentle read thus far for Stephen King because the character is you know sort of not he he's just sort of waiting around like he's not you know he's retired and he's widowed and he doesn't want to feel like he's just basically waiting for death, but right. that's just how it's happened. And it's set in the early nineties too. So that's interesting. But, um, he says I, it was written into air or the book, not written, but the book came out in 2005. Apparently I just looked it up cause I was curious. Yeah. I, I thought it was an older one. So, um, but I've, I've been enjoying it just sort of, um, like one of those long-term reads 
that you just can just pick up at any point. So we all have one of those. Like right. I, don't lie. I have one on Audible and one on my Kindle that like it automatically sends it to Goodreads that I started reading it. And I looked back and I was like, shit, I think people probably think, oh, my, she must hate this book. <laughs> I don't hate either one of those. It's just like you said, it's a long read. It's kind of you feel comfortable with like, OK, I've read enough for now. I'm content. Like I'm not going to this is not a did not finish. This is not a DNF. I'm not going to put it down. But like. I'm done for right now. I'm okay. And, you know, since I listen to it, it's just like I listen to so many podcasts, too, that, you know, just sort of put it on the back burner. Yeah, you have to cut things off at some point. All right. What else you got? Um, So my other two books, I won't go into them super much. I think I've actually talked about both of these series that these – are in at some point before when we record it. Um, they're both cozy mysteries, and so they're that cozy paranormal. Well, mm-hmm. one is in the cozy paranormal uh, field, and the other one is just a cozy mystery. The first one is number three in a series um, called It's a Be Our Ghost by Kate Kinsbury, and I'm deadly certain that I have talked about. Um, yeah. The first two in her series before, at least the first one in her series, it is called the the series itself is called Mary Ghost Inn. And so it's Melanie West. She has opened this bed and breakfast with her grandmother in the seaside town. Um, I know I talked about the first one. So she's she's opened this in the seaside town. And as I'm sure you can guess with it being cozy mystery, there seems to be a murder or some sort of murder investigation at every turn that somehow this young lady gets herself involved in or is a part of the investigation in some house. Um, So they're actually doing really well. They're on book three. So as far as like inside the book itself, the inn is doing very well for itself at this point. And uh, Sully's Landing, the little city that they are living in, has this gaudy developer that has decided to come in. And honestly, the business that he wants to come in and develop sounds like amazing for me. But I'm sure if you lived in a tiny little quiet seaside town that you just really wanted um, people to come in and enjoy your cafes and your shopping and then leave, you right. wouldn't want this place. But he wants this really big, like, um, kind of arcade bar slash sports bar thing where you can place bets and play arcade and games and stuff and and he's like pushing really hard for this bar and after a very heated city council meeting he apparently obviously i mean it's pretty much figured out he shows up dead right oh so different people at the city council get blamed and her grandmother's i'd not really say flame because they've not said that yet but her grandmother has Someone in the town that she's befriended really well, and she kind of likes him, um, and he ends up getting the blame for it. And her grandmother is determined, like, damn it, we have helped solve two other murder mysteries by now, because it's book three. We've helped solve two others. Why can't we help him? I know he didn't do it. We've got to help him. Um and the drawer, of course, at that point, that's when hijinks and, and danger ensues. Mm-hmm. Um and honestly, this is another time that I was not able to figure out who the killer was. Oh, really? That's, I did that's not rare. 
yeah, you know, I usually can mm-hmm. pick it out after some time, not, not at the beginning, but usually I can kind of pinpoint or at some point accuse the person. And this time did not see that coming. They talked about this person throughout the book very briefly. They were brought up, they were mentioned, but not um, hugely. Mm-hmm. And then when Melanie realizes who she, who it is um, or who she's decided it is, she even keeps it from the audience, from the reader as well. And she's like, mm, okay, I think I know, I think I know what I need to do. And you're like, what? what? <laughs> like as a reader, you're like, what do you need to do? <laughs> so, um, but it gets very dangerous, a little bit more dangerous for Millie and her grandmother in this one. Um, the killer actually steals her dog at one point and then brings him back and says, next time you won't get him back. Mm-hmm. Um, they cut her brake lines thinking and initially, I think, if I remember correctly, the killer, like, didn't actually mean to kill them. They just wanted to scare them from stop investigating the murder of this horrible man. That Because apparently nobody liked him. And that's why so many people end up getting blamed for his murder. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, she gets, she's in a lot of danger in this one. And her relationship, because, you know, there's always, like, a in the side pocket kind of backstory relationships like like um hallmark type romance going on in these because they're that's not what they are they're not romance novels so they're not Mm -hmm. like um that's developing more and if it's with the police officer so like she's in danger a lot more and i have almost wondered if that was because she's finally in a relationship with the police officer or if it's just that's where the author chose to go but Mm -hmm. eh, whatever Mm -hmm. um but yeah, so she's in way more danger. So as far as a suspense, giving you more suspense, um, I really enjoyed that. But it stays very true to the cozy mystery um, thing. There's still like jokes that get cracked and that uh, the whole thing is with the cozy mystery. And I've explained this before, but it's been a long time is the majority of the time the murder takes place off the page or off the yeah. screen. If you're watching uh, like Hallmark m- m- murder mystery, um, they take place away from the audience so that you don't actually see the gore and stuff that Jenny and I watch and other things. But so you hear about it, but they don't go into detail about how his body was found. They were like, he was murdered. He was stabbed. And that's like it. Okay. Um, so it's more about like finding out who did it and why they did it. And the suspense to that. So we really enjoyed this third um, installment of this series. Really cute. If you like cozy mysteries, um, which I actually, our friend Sarah has been getting more into mysteries and cozy mysteries and her and I, I've been messaging her recommending like, Oh, read this or try to read this. And Hey, it's not for everybody. And so like, I will tell you guys the same thing I told her, like, it's not for everybody. So if you try it and you're like, this sucks, she lied to me. No, it just means your tastes are different. (laughs) Like that's all that means. Um, unless you come at me and say mean things about Chuck Tingle, we're pretty okay. <laughs> Who would do so, such a thing? Uh, people. Just people. So this one's really good. The only bummer thing is I've been trying to do some research on is there going to be a book four? Um, what is this for the series? Because she has a couple other series as well um, that are separate and independent. And this book, apparently book three, came out in 2018. So I was really hoping that... There would be something, and I'm not seeing anything about a book for I mean, that's very common, though, you know, being a reader as well, that, like, authors jump around, especially when they write more than one book or more than one series. But you don't mm-hmm. ever know when the next one is coming. Right, so, yeah. Yeah, that kind of sucked. But overall, um, I thought uh, book three was really good. 
Um, the other one, just real quick, was called Death Overdue. It was actually the first. So, no, I haven't talked about this one. It was the first in a new series that was recommended to me by Audible. And the reason I wrote this one down to talk about is because there have been a lot of changes with Audible. Uh-huh. And so this was one of those that, you know, they don't have Audible Escape anymore, which was primarily for um, romance readers. And it was like an additional fee, but you could have like... It worked very much like um, Kindle Unlimited, but okay. you could have like 10 uh, uh, romance books out at any time. as like an extra $4.99 a month. I don't even think you had to have a regular subscription to have that subscription. Well, they've ended that, um, and they now just have what's called Audible Premium. So if you have like the high package, which is two credits a month, which I think okay. is the same one you have, um, there's all these books now that are just free. Like, you can just listen to them whenever you want because you have an Audible membership. Uh And so that's where I found this book. It was recommended to me by Audible because I do tend to listen to the Cozy Mysteries more than I do, like, physically read them myself. I don't know why that is, but I find that I enjoy them more with narration. Um, It's called Death Overdue by Allison Brooke. And it was... I mean, it's on the same field of Z mystery kind of. Uh-huh. Well, my whole computer just decided to like freeze on me. Yay, thanks. <laughs> um, so the basic synopsis is that she lives in this tiny town, which don't they usually all live in these picturesque tiny towns? Um, okay. So she lives in this tiny town. Her name is Carrie Sing, or the, the author is Allison Brooke, yes, but the. Um, character is Carrie Singleton and she has decided she's done with the small town life. It's uh, called Clover Ridge, Connecticut and she just doesn't want to be there anymore. She's never really felt tied down to any particular place. She only came here for her aunt and uncle to kind of like do something different. She's living with them. She's a little bit older but you know doesn't have she's not married, doesn't have kids, anything like that and just about the time that she decides I don't want to do this anymore. She actually gets offered a job as the head of programs and events at the um, local library. And it actually comes uh, with its own ghost. There's actually a librarian ghost who, for some reason, has decided to show herself to Carrie and and befriend Carrie and talk to her. Um, And so her first major event is a program that's going to be presented by uh, this local retired homicide detective, Al Buckley. And he, um, before he retired, was investigating the murder of a local woman named Laura Foster, who was very much loved and cared for by, like, all the community. And she also happened to be a part-time librarian um, who was, so it's been, like, 15 years since her death, and she was bludgeoned to death, and he was the head investigator and he got so cut up in investigating it that he ended up like getting into drinking and getting really, um, I think pri- like prior to our investigation, he was having some issues and got heavy into drinking and then couldn't solve the case. And a lot of the town blames him um, and his drinking for not being able to find the murderer. So he uh-huh. has, since his um, retirement, been determined to find her murderer because he is sober now and he's like, nope, I'm going to do this. Well, so her first event as the head of programs and events is him doing a speech, uh, kind of like a crime talk. And he is actually going to reveal new information 
about the case because he's not a police officer anymore. He can reveal information like that. Mm-hmm. Um, before he's able to reveal the information, he is murdered. Okay. In the library. So that is your big murder. And she gets sucked in because it very quickly happens. This is not a spoiler or anything, but it very quickly, uh, you can tell yourself as the reader, he's poisoned. And at this point, Carrie's like, she feels responsible um, because she's the one that made sure she's the head of the program. So she's the one that put out the snacks and how could he be poisoned? And there's just a lot with this. So while she's trying to find her way in the world as this young, she's not really that young, which is the only thing I dislike about Cozy Mysteries. They're always like about your mind age and it's like they don't have life figured out. I'm like, um, knock, knock, knock. Hello. But anyway, um, Uh so she's younger and she's trying to figure this out and she blames herself and all the time. So she decides she is going to solve Laura Foster's murder. And basically that's going to be her vengeance for whoever killed um, Al Buckley, because whoever killed Al Buckley is probably who killed Laura Foster. Uh And then it kind of goes from there. So. Uh, she's very well loved in the community because her aunt and uncle are very well known. So people instantly like her. But she also runs into complications with a woman that thinks, oh, you you got given my job. That should have been my job. And so her ghost friend helps her out a little. She ends up solving the case at the end of the day because if you didn't think she was going to, then why are you reading a cozy mystery? Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so it's a, it's a new series. Um, like I said, it was recommended to me by Audible Premium. So it was free. Because it's part of my um, membership. There are multiple books. It looks like so far. Allison Brooke, who is the author, has four books out. With the last one being published in 2020. Which Allison Brooke is apparently a pseudonym for her. That is not her real name. Um, I really enjoyed this one. I did know who the killer was. Or suspected then thought maybe not suspected mm-hmm. maybe not um I, but i was i ended up being right again um, of course i know I, well you read enough of these and eventually you just start picking up on patterns and right things and, <laughs> i mean i am a detective's daughter so right <laughs> i also like just learn things um but i really enjoyed this one i will continue the series it is helping me reach my goal on goodreads which was lacking horribly because like I said I had not been reading at all in months Mm -hmm. because I just Mm -hmm. couldn't um I've chose to hold off reading the second book this may sound really cheesy but the second book is set during Christmas like the first book was set during Halloween and so I actually read it through Halloween and was like oh this is really cool and then when I found out book number two called Wedding Gone is set during Christmas I have decided to read a few other things until we get a little bit closer, even though we're already like November. Um, But I'm going to wait a little bit closer because a couple of the Cozy Mystery series that I really, really love, the next book in the series is set during Christmas. Uh So I think I'm going to kind of read them during Christmas. You got your Christmas read set, so that's good. Yeah, yeah. I, I know, I know it's a murder mystery during Christmas, mm-hmm. but, like, I, I don't know, I, I just think it would be kind of cool to almost follow it in, in actual timeline. Yeah, that sounds cool. All right, I will give your voice a minute to rest <laughs> and tell you about 
a new podcast that I found. Ooh. Um, I usually I, enjoy when you find new podcasts, so. I was really excited to find this one because it's basically what I attempted to do um, with telling stories um, when I made those last year. I loved um, those so much. I, you know, I really love them too, but it's it's harder than you think to find, like, the right story for oh, that. Oh, but, oh, yeah, for sure. I wouldn't doubt it at all. Or at least, like, it was for me because I just, I was looking for something in particular. I mean, there's tons of stories on the internet, but, like, I wanted something with a particular tone. So right. this, this podcast is called Disturbed, and it takes, um, basically, Reddit stories, um, true horror stories, um, not from, like, the no sleep, like, fiction stories but like shit that has actually happened to people um and i, just, so, I can't remember didn't no sleep take listener stories too at some point well they they will do like um fiction the horror fiction stories um, oh that's right that's right on the on the no sleep reddit app or uh, thread or whatever so this is more like some of it's like crime stories or just like weird things that have happened to people. Um, and it's basically just a story set to music with a narrator, right? So that's what I wanted okay. to do for telling stories. Um, so then when I found this one, I was like, this is perfect. Um, it has really cool um, sort of different things in there. Um, the very first episode is... Um, the story of one of the survivors of Ted Bundy. She tells that her story in her own words, sort of like an interview, but the rest of the episodes are more, um, more what I've already described. Um, so there's like UFO ones, there's Wendigo. Um, an interesting one is episode six called died in an alternate universe. So those stories are about people that have had, like they thought they had an actual car wreck mm-hmm. and then like they experience all the sensations of a car wreck but then oh, wow. they come to and then those same events happen but she doesn't get in the car wreck you know what I'm saying so like she recognizes that everything is happening again so it's like a weird time loop thing but she really thought she was in the car wreck um, so anyway it's like just weird stories like that there's a good amount of them. This is um fairly new podcast from like in the past six months or so. Um, I was going to say, I just looked up their uh, their website and I am highly impressed with the, they break it down. You were saying it's all kinds of different content and it actually tell you like there's 19 unexplained, 20 unsettling, mm-hmm. um, 22 secondhand. Exer- that, so that, that's like super cool. Yeah, it really is. Um, I really like these stories and uh, I was so impressed with this that I reached out um, on Twitter and was like, hey, do you need any narrators? And the dude was like, sure, let me find you a story and then you can just narrate it and send it to me. Oh, that's like, fantastic. So I'm tentatively supposed to be on the next episode um, if I can get it done by this weekend. So um, look for you can that. Do it, Jenny. You it can will. do this. <laughs> so that I will link it around um, when it comes out. So yes, um, yes. check that one out. Do you have a, a new podcast to tell me about? 
Um, it's not a new podcast, but it's a new podcast to me. I had two, actually. One, you and I briefly talked about me introducing to the world. I know you listened to it as well, but um, I don't remember which one of us found it first. I think I did this time, maybe. I don't want to take credit if I didn't. Um, but I found out about them through podcasts that you and I talk about, like, all the time because we love them. Um, but I found out about Poisoner's Cabinet oh, yes. through Real Life Ghost Stories. Mm-hmm. And I am obsessed with these two. Uh, like I've messaged them on Instagram several times. We've talked about cocktails together. Mm-hmm. They have an amazing premise, which kind of helped solidify the premise for mine and Ben's show in some ways, mm-hmm. I think subconsciously. Um, but so the whole idea, it, it, it's a true crime podcast. I would, con- I would put it in that category um, where they drink cocktails and talk about famous poisoners throughout mm-hmm. history. They try to stay in older, I wouldn't say just Victorian, but they, they've commented before that they try to stay past um, a certain date. They like the older poisoner yeah. stories. Um, and honestly, I think the older poisoner stories have more of a, like a Maury Povich vibe to them. Where mm-hmm. there's just like so much to the story that you're like, my mind is blown right now. Mm-hmm. Honestly, um, they do an episode a week. They come out on Fridays. If you follow them on Instagram or social media of any kind on Wednesday, they tell you what the secret ingredient is. The mm-hmm. secret ingredient is something from the story that's either used by the poisoner or somehow that they mm-hmm. will use to inspire their cocktail of each week. And of course my favorite part, it's kind of like with Dan and Emma where Emma's always like, are you ready? And Dan's like, no, no. <laughs> my favorite part with uh, Sinead and Nick is Sinead's always like, are you ready to um, drink poison or drink cocktails and talk about poison? And Nick's like, yes. And she's like, well, what about if we drink poison and talk about cocktails? And he's always like, no, <laughs> my favorite um they also take turns doing the stories which i think are really cool they're very well researched and they even tell you like this is all i could find or i found so much more but i can't i don't have time to include it look it up um so each story each time they take turns telling a story there have been some that i was aware of there have been some poisonings that i'm like oh i knew that and i learned a little bit more or just kind of like got to hear mm-hmm. the story again and then there's been some poisoners that i'm like how have i never heard about this this is amazing. Yeah, they do a good job at finding stories that you're not super aware of. Right. And I, mean, I really love how they incorporate an ingredient into their cocktail. I know. It's super clever. Very clever. Um, and they have really good podcasting voices, which yes. is highly important. Um, which I know as a podcaster, people are like, oh, that means you think you have a great podcasting voice. No, I'm, I'm okay. But <laughs> when I'm listening, I also want to listen to, you know, not good, just good content, but narration as well. Cause mm-hmm. you can have amazing content and you can be an amazing researcher, but that doesn't mean that you're the voice to present your research and your content. Right. Not always. Um, and I think they do a really good job of both having that voice. They are really, really good friends, too. And that comes across. Like, you can mm-hmm. tell the the friendship that they've built with each other. And Sinead is actually friends with Emma. Well, they, well they're, they are both friends with Emma mm-hmm. and Dan. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how I found out about them. 
um, one of the very, because I usually tell you guys, we we sometimes make fun of people that are like, Patreon, Patreon. This is one that I love. And as soon as they were like, um, hey, so we've waited a really long time, but we do have a Patreon now. I was yeah. like, hold on, let me go there. Like, <laughs> like right now? texted me and you're like, I just heard your name. <laughs> and I was like, I know. Like, I got super excited. Um, so, there, you know, there are very, very few that I will like financially support because financially it already costs us money to do ours and we get nothing back so so like there are very few that I will put that forth with and and they're one of them and they just have fantastic um shows and their arsenic alarm like I can't hear somebody say the word arsenic now without expecting some sort of alarm to go off Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then they also brought up a good point the other day that doesn't spoil for any episode that you want to go back and listen to. But they were talking about, you know what? They have they don't talk about as many men as you would think when you're talking about um, serial killers. Because essentially the poisoners that killed multiple people, they're serial killers. Yeah. And a lot of them are women. Yeah, a lot of them. Because it's such a, you know easy i guess you know i'd assume so and the women made all the food you know what i'm saying like it was just fucking easy to kill people with poison and and you know and it also not to give anything away but what i what i've learned and what i thought was really cool about this podcast as well is you you learn things they talk about you know how um autopsies were done different and fingerprinting was done different and things like that because of the time period that they typically work in and investigate in um you know, and when how you, different poisons affect you in different right. ways. Like the whole, like, when you would exhume a body, there would be arsenic in the body right. because right. it was part of the embalming process. Mm-hmm. And it's they the testing, and, and they talk about, like, the new developments and the new testing. So... I don't, I don't know. I thought it was fascinating. And it also led me to read this book. Um, they have a special guest at some point. I'm failing to remember her name, which is horrible. Horrible. I want to say it's Catherine. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Catherine. Yeah, she wrote Mm -hmm. A is for Arsenic. Mm -hmm. And she was inspired to write this book based on uh, Agatha Christie, actually, which helped inspire Poisoner's Cabinet as well, um, who's one of my favorite authors of all time. Agatha Christie just has a way of telling a story, and and she actually used correct information as well. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, which has led some people to believe, like, maybe Agatha was a poisoner herself. Uh, people die by poisonings a lot in horror uh, stories. Um, it's just a theory that uh, dies very quickly. Uh, but, I mean, she knew a lot, and uh, she was very knowledgeable. But the book um, I, I ended up reading was fantastic as well. You would think it would be very dry, but it's not. It's wonderful. I really cannot recommend the two of them enough they are phenomenal um i think they are up to 38 episodes we'll probably they'll probably be at 39 by the time our podcast comes out um and if you subscribe to their patreon they do uh, a few more like more recent they did the tylenol murders the tylenol mm-hmm. poisonings mm-hmm. um which i had forgotten about until I listened to that and was like, oh, wow, shit, yeah, that happened in America. And they also don't um, stay on in, in the EU either. They travel all over. There was a story in Australia. There's some in, there's actually a lot in America, which was like, geez, is that all we do over here is poison each other? Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I don't know. I, 
it's it's kind of this is going to be like real life ghost stories and Aaron Mankey, where I'm probably going to refer to them a lot. Um, I, I find them like highly fascinating. They're very personable. They've answered, like I said, they've answered me several times on Instagram, and they always tell me who it is. They're like, "Hey, it's Nick." Blah blah blah. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. So I 100% recommend them. They their theme song is super catchy, uh-huh. hella catchy. Uh-huh. Yeah, and they're fascinating to follow on Instagram individually at their podcast as well so yeah it's just you know a really fun concept and they're really cute and entertaining with each other the episodes are short you know it's Mm -hmm. it's it's pretty much the perfect podcast yeah they're between 30 and 60 minutes i would say sometimes they go a little over um but yeah they're perfect and the fact that they and they share the cocktail recipes so when they come across these Mm-hmm. And, like, they don't always work out. Sometimes they're like, meh, meh. <laughs> <laughs> it's also opened up my world of um, alcoholism as well. I've tried a few mm. things that they've mm-hmm. recommended. Yes. Yes. The last one I tried, um, so they were like, okay, when you try it, you need to send us a picture. So I did. And then I messaged them back and was like, I can't do this. This is just, I, I can't, I can't. Which one was it? Do you remember? Um, yes. So it was, and I just tried it like straight, I believe. Like I didn't ask for anything. Well, I did. Like, so I'm, I went to an actual, cause that was the one thing that they said. They were like, if you want this, like talk to an actual mixologist. And we have some really, really good ones in the city I live in here. Uh-huh. So I got this Negroni drink. Do you oh, remember the Negroni episode? Yes, I do. Yeah, so, okay, I decided to, to get the Negroni. So I sent them a picture, and I was like, this Negroni is about to go down. And then I said, hopefully. Yes. And so they got really excited about it. I, I think it was Nick got really excited about it because Nick likes Negroni. Sinead, if I remember, doesn't entirely care for it. Mm-hmm. Um so I messaged back after like 10 minutes of trying to sip on this thing. And I was like, I'm not sure how I feel about this. <laughs> so Nick's like, I love Negroni. You made an excellent choice. So the next day I woke up with a headache, not a hangover, but a headache. Mm-hmm. And I was like, sorry, Nick, I have to let you down, but I just couldn't do it. I didn't <laughs> even finish it. <laughs> and it wasn't cheap either. Cause we went yeah. to one of the like, um, bars that are known for like their mixology special like they're actually really good at like mixing drinks and and doing the fancy things that you would want so it wasn't cheap and i didn't like it at all it was kind of gross but they do make good cocktails though they do Um, they make excellent cocktails and even like i said even when one of them doesn't like it or both of them don't like it they will say okay well maybe you could have substituted this with this and it would have been better or maybe you will like it because your taste buds are different Mm -hmm. So it's pretty fantastic. Nick is an amazing, amazingly talented mixologist because you can't throw some of the cocktails together that he does just by the seat of your pants. Right. As someone who is a bartender, it's not fucking possible. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Check both of those out. And that just leaves one more thing. Miranda, what would that be? I don't know. It might be this little thing called Nerd Eye Candy the moment nice nice thanks thanks do you so, have some on the time i do i do i don't know how nerdy it is but uh i'm gonna go we, we've established <laughs> that it's as nerdy as you want it to be because of the way that you feel like nerding out over something is like your own definition of nerding out like everyone nerds out over something 
Well, I nerded out over the way that she rode the pole in Pea Valley, so I'm going to pick Shannon Thornton, who plays Miss Mississippi in that show. And I, I mean, they're all. I'm digging that name, by the way, because it's not traditional. It's not a traditional dancer name. And she was one of the characters who, in the first couple of episodes, didn't get much um, attention. And then, sort of quickly, she becomes one of the main characters. And um, she just has a real sweet spirit to her. And and she's fantastic in the show. So, I, and just, I mean, just sick body i mean her face is just so gorgeous and everything she's she's a 10 for sure (laughs) i'm looking her up she's very pretty her her complexion is super like clear and very striking like it's she reminds me of lauren from oh yes blind blind date no blind love is blind that thing that you made me watch yes that at first i was like john what the fuck what the fuck yeah <laughs> All right. Did you come up with a with the nerd? Action? Yes, I actually had one pretty easily when we decided that we were going to do reads and streams. Um, so this won't spoil anything, but so I won't go into like the episode itself. Mm-hmm. But we all know that season two of The Mandalorian is back. And in season in episode one of season two, titled The Marshal. We meet the marshal, played none other than Timothy Olyphant. Oh, oh, that's a good one. <sighs> Timothy Olyphant in Boba Fett gear mm. is everything I didn't know I needed, but I absolutely wanted. <laughs> yeah, um, what a what a classic. I mean, like he only gets hotter as he gets older. What the I, shit? Yes. How is that possible? Now, I, I Well, I have two theories, two working theories on this that I actually discussed with Jerry, believe it or not. I have two working theories. First theory is some people just age, like as they age, they do, it's like a reverse. You know how um, as you get older, you look hotter? Mm-hmm. You know, like people look better, like they go through that awkward phase. And then for some people, they hit like 20s and they're like, damn, you're hot. Like what happened? <laughs> and then for other people, it's not that he's not hot. He's, he's been hot. But it's like other people, as they gray and they decide a little bit of stubble, I don't know if it's they carry themselves different, but they do. They're just hotter. Mm-hmm. So that's working theory number one is that truly they do, like, the way they age. They're just aging so gracefully and they carry themselves with such, like, poise and, like, determination that we're like, damn, woo. Theory number two mm-hmm. is that while he's getting older, so are we. And so our tastes are evolving. And so, like, that's what's attractive to us now compared to maybe 10, 15, 20 years ago. Maybe. That's just two working theories. I I feel like I've had the same type my entire life. So I I thought, I don't know. I really don't know. You guys pointed out to me about two years ago that I very much have a type. Oh, yes. Yes. And it very much looks like my husband. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which works out. I mean, that's, it, does. it works. It works out. It but work my way. husband was not my type before I started dating him. <laughs> so, and in some ways, Timothy Elephant fits and in, falls into that, mm-hmm. that niche I tend to like. But he's a little more gray and he's a little more haggard in the Marshall. 
I don't know. I don't know what it was about him and that Boba Fett gear that I was like. I ain't mad at it. I was not mad at it by any means. All right. No. Well, that's it. Seems sad that that's it, but that is it. I know it is it. I mean, I could I could probably go another hour, but um, hopefully we'll yeah, save that for a separate episode of Read Streams and Downloads. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Always going to be plenty of stuff to talk about. Hopefully, we can do it more often these I, days. Yeah. I think we can now. I okay, feel good. confident in saying that. Is there anything going on that you want to plug real quick before we get out of here? Why, of course. You alluded to the lovely men and women out there in listener land that I have a new podcast. And I do. And I love it. And it's fantastic. Like, this one's beyond phenomenal. But my new one is pretty good, too, I'd say. Um, I think I've hinted to it before in the past. It is with our good friend, Ben, who we met, I met, or befriended because of COVID and quarantine. So sometimes mm-hmm. good things do come from crap times. Um, and he's one of our lovely friends that we refer to on the different feeds for, as from across the, one of our boys from across the pond. Although mm-hmm. now I'm across the pond too. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you are. Anyway. So Ben is from England and he and I became fast friends after doing a live read or live watch um, show together during COVID. Uh, He tells everybody he's actually a quintessential British guy and he loves tea and I love tea and that's how he and I became friends. And I don't really remember where the idea came from. I actually think it was a conversation with you and Andy that we were having privately Uh about um, back end uh, podcasting duties that nobody wants to know about but right. we were talking business we were we were having like an actual business meeting conversation and one of you cracked the joke wouldn't it be funny if you and ben talked about tea together mm-hmm. and i was like that is kind of cool so i messaged ben and was like hey would you want to have a podcast with me where we talk about tea and I don't know, maybe we could talk about TV or something, because he and I love TV, a lot of the same TV, because we've talked before. I like a lot of the crime dramas and stuff that you don't, you'll watch, like, especially if I'm like, hey, watch this with me, you'd watch it with me, but it's not like, you're you're not probably not going to go back to it. It's not going to be your favorite thing. You're not going to become a huge NCIS fan. That's okay. But Ben is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I love a lot of British television. So he and I spurned the idea. And like I said, in the back of my mind, not even realizing it, Poisoner's Cabinet kind of, kind of, I guess they were there the whole time. And so each month we're going to do a once a month podcast where we talk about um, a different tea while we drink and sip our tea. And after discussing, like telling you what tea it is, telling you how he prepares it, how I prepare it, because that's a big thing in Mm -hmm. uh, English U.S. differences. Um, We will drink our tea while we spill the tea about a television show. And currently we are working our way through 24. We are going to do every episode will be a different season. We just wrapped season one. So episode one of Telling and Tea is season one of 24 um, where we drink our tea, talk about it. And we even talk about a couple extra things. We have a couple of other segments. We, Mm -hmm. We briefly run down the Netflix top 10 list. Um, and we're going to do some specials here and there about the Great British Bake Off because it's one of our favorite beloved television shows. That's awesome. It's a great yeah. idea and a perfect pairing, I think. And we have a lot of fun, Ben mm-hmm. and I. He's a trip. 
Yeah. So that's anything uh, the anything other thing. else. Oh. Um, well, as always, um, you can hear me on various Place to Be Nation uh, shows. Uh, Cla- uh, Pop Goes to the Classics is one of them. Uh, I've talked about it plenty of times before, so just again, as a reminder, if you've never heard it or you don't remember what it is, um, we are currently working our way through classic movies, going with classic Disney movies, starting all the way from the beginning, and we'll be working our way to more current content. Um, there are a couple of different episodes coming out soon. Um, and a few more that we have to do our next two to give you an idea of where we are in the timeline are Cinderella and Alice in Wonderland. We're going chronologically in the date that they were released. And thanks to Disney Plus, which actually a year ago today became available, we are able to watch pretty much all of these for absolutely free without having to like go to Amazon or other venues of, of you know, digging things out of the vault, quote unquote. So, um, yeah, there's plenty of episodes of that coming up. Of course, check out everything on all the multiple feeds, which Jenny will tell you more about uh, Jenny Position because she's so awesome with all of our shows here at Jenny Position. Uh, check out all the stuff on Place to Be Nation, all the stuff on the wrestling feed one that you're better at talking about than I am. My <laughs> brain just went dead. I was like, yeah, go talk about this, guys. <laughs> Well, there's a lot. I mean, so like a lot. There's a, something for everyone, essentially, is what I was trying to get at. Yeah, and like just me. This is my sixth podcast of the week. Um, Jesus Christ. Just this week. So, um, and the content is scattered uh, throughout a couple of different places, but it's not hard to find. So. Uh, the Jenny position is where you're at now, and Geek and Sassy's here along with Talk and Pop, and um, Bianca's first time, and you heard about Pluto, and of course weekly we have the brother sister rewatch, which is the only one I'm not on, but it's with Kevin and Mary, and they're going through the office, and they're on season eight. Uh, so every Monday you get a new episode where they do two episodes of the office. Um, so just check them out. I'm- very proud to have them on my feed. Um, there's new episodes of everything pretty much out right now, newish. As far as wrestling content, if you're into any of that stuff, I have three shows on the Place Nation wrestling feed uh, and also have some shows uh, over on the North South Connection feed. So my TNA show is at North and South, my ECW show, and also uh, Shrink Wrapped, which is a new uh, show that I've started. I pretty sure since we last talked yeah Uh, i think so so shrink wrapped you guys might like because it is comics based but it's sort of um a little bit of an artistic show so me and tim of course and our friend sean kidd we take a look at one comic book character and we sort of break them down um psychologically like what their issues are um and we do that based on a specific story arc or like set of comic book issues so the last one we did was legion um so we looked at new mutants um i think three issues three four issues of that where charles xavier finds out about his son and so we talk about all the psychological issues um, that have to go along with that character and we do it sort of in a in-universe kayfabe sort of way so we're like performative in a way that we're acting like we're you know professionals and 
you know, Shield has asked us to like prepare a report on this person. Um, so it's you know sort of fun in that way. I think to offset some of the dark shit that we end up talking about. Um, and then we also put like dramatic readings of the actual comics um, in to the episode. So it's different, but I really like making it. And uh, it's, it's a, a blast. Really cool concept. It's a blast to like um, actually read some comics again. So that's um, one of the main reasons why I wanted to do it because I didn't want to get overwhelmed with a comic book like podcast. Um, yeah. So this is a sort of like easy way that I can read some stories, learn some stuff that I want to learn, and also do some performative sort of podcasty stuff that I want to do as well. Do, do the things that you really want to like put out in the world, the creative yeah. Jenny. Yeah. So, but all those are on uh, the North South Connection uh, podcast feed. And then, um, like I said, the wrestling stuff on PlayStation Wrestling. Also, I've done sort of offshooty things um, recently. One of those being uh, a political podcast on uh, Kings of Sport which is um, our friend Nate Milton's podcast with his friends. So um, check out Kings of Sport if you um, want to hear a quite rowdy political talk, which, I mean, I'm sure everyone does never has enough of that anymore. But um, it's, a, it's a sort of a personal look at some of the political issues that we have going on right now. That was sort of different and fun to do. And Nate is always... I think that's really cool, though, because... You know, it's like one of the things that we said on a lot of the podcasts that we do that, you know, we wouldn't do that. And I think it's really cool to have a place where you're like, hey, I'm going to talk about this for a minute. And this is my perspective. And it is what it is. Mm -hmm. And, of course, the episode of Disturbed, which hopefully will be out soon. Um, Keep an eye out on that. And, of course, follow me and you. Uh, on Twitter, yeah. I'm at Jenny Position. You are at Moms the Nerd. And then I... we are at Geek and Sassy on all socials uh pretty much all socials and that's pretty much it um as soon as any new episode comes that we think that our listeners at geek and sassy would also be um interested in listening to for example jenny's really awesome disturbed episode which i know is gonna happen we will put that on our social media so that you can go forth and listen to it from them and we will be back sooner than five months so um, much much sooner no doubt. Thanks for listening. You're welcome for talking.